the little bits of feedback that you can get from people really can't be dismissed. Um, because if one person says it, good chance there's a thousand voices or more behind that. Hey, my name is Felix Tia, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn how to work with a charitable partner, do customers care about charitable missions, and how to make the purchase decision easier for your customers. Before we get into our show, I want to share a strategy some businesses are using to help manage cash flow during COVID-19. They are selling gift cards. Gift cards give customers a way to support you right now. We've seen some creative ways to market them, like selling gift cards at a discount, giving special offers for customers who redeem them in the future, and adding free gift cards to high-value carts as a bonus. As part of Shopify's response to COVID-19, gift cards are now available on all Shopify plans, so you can start selling them right away. Today, I'm joined by Julian Levine from Twice. Twice is a modern oral healthcare company reimagining the everyday experience of brushing your teeth, and it was started in 2018 in Bayside, New York. Welcome, Julian. Hey, Felix. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, so the inspiration behind the business, behind the flagship product, came from a charitable mission that you went on. So tell us more about that experience. So my brother and I, who are two of the three co-founders of Twice, um, are the children of Dr. Jonathan B. Levine and Stacy Levine, who have really dedicated their whole lives to oral health and oral care and creating companies. And one of the most amazing things they did was start a nonprofit, which is called the Glow Good Foundation. And the Glow Good Foundation is set up to bring dental professionals to communities that don't have access to care. And in 2015, we joined 30 other dental professionals, as well as Lenny Kravitz, the musician who has been a patient of our dad's for a long time, who has a community of people in Eleuthera in the Bahamas that really don't have access to care. And so in 2015, Lenny brought us down about 35 volunteers to set up a full service dental clinic in the middle of his town. And over five days, we treated 400 people for full service dentistry, root canals, extractions, dentures, cleanings, whitenings, education, and for me, it was an incredibly moving and life-changing experience. I'm one of the lucky ones who has never needed to have braces or have any medical issues as it relates to my mouth. And from the first time I saw how life-changing and transformative dental care could be for someone who really has been lacking access to care for their whole life. And this mission that, that we went on was just extraordinary. We've, we've now gone back on that same mission five straight years and um, really, after the second year, uh, we saw all the inspiration we needed to want to create a brand in oral care that could give back and that could really try to upgrade the standard of products. So, yeah, we, we are very much uh, an authentically mission-driven and mission-founded business. Awesome. So it, you mentioned a brand that could give back. What, what does this mean? Like how, what, what are some of the ways that you set up your brand, your business to, to give back? Yeah. So... We are tied completely to the Glow Good Foundation as it relates to them being our charitable partner. We donate our product on all of their missions so that the hundreds and thousands of patients that they see go home with twice toothpaste. We also donate our time. So we are there on all of the missions, um, educating the, 
the patients there and and providing them with our product. And beyond that, we also donate um, 10% of our company's profits to that foundation. So we're able to really make a difference for them and help them grow. And um, it also gives us the opportunity to tell stories and to share with our customers really what we're doing to make a difference. Amazing. So what does that mean like logistically for someone maybe else out there that wants to do something similar, either start a business or to transform their business into being able to donate products, profits, and time to a charitable cause? How does this, what do you, what do you have to set up logistically to be able to, uh, I guess, um, take advantage of this, this, the, the, your, 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 this inspiration that you have? Yeah. Um, well, to find it, I would I would definitely recommend putting yourself out there and searching around because the opportunity to give back um, very likely exists, no matter how niche you know your category or product. Um, for us, it was a matter of you know, and and of course, it's very t- close to us as it's kind of a family foundation. But beyond that, it's finding a foundation and charity that you align with from a value standpoint. And who, in our standpoint or in our belief, you know, that we can really help grow. And so it's building that relationship with the people behind that foundation and finding opportunity to give back. In our circumstance, you know, logistically, we are always setting aside inventory to be donated. And we're making sure, of course, that we have the the proper paperwork and authorization to do so. Um, And that's really what usually it takes. Very often, the the nonprofit is able to coordinate logistics so that really what you are donating is your time and your product or resources. Got it. So you don't have to go through efforts of setting up infrastructure yourself to 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 have a charitable aspect of your business as long as you have a, a partner that has experience uh, with this? Right. Yeah, if you have a consistent partner um, – that isn't more of like a promo, but is really like a mainstay of a partner, then yes, you need to create that agreement with them and have very clearly defined ways that you guys work together. Yeah, I was going to ask that next. What what are some ways that you need to coordinate with a, I guess, a charitable partner in terms of things like, I, I can imagine that they have certain missions that they have that they might they, they might see you as a as a, a partner that makes sense to take on for that project, or maybe you have ideas that you want to bring to them. How does that all kind of work out? Like, is there like some kind of session or meeting or a time where it makes sense to coordinate on project ideas, whether they originate from the the commercial aspect, the, your business in this case is this case versus the uh, charitable the charitable partner? Yeah, in our standpoint, we from our standpoint, we typically coordinate every quarter and look ahead to mission trips or um, events that are that are occurring that we can partner up or that we can help them and lend a hand. Um, it's typically the brand reaching out to the nonprofit versus the other way around and just offering to be helpful and to be there. You know, a little bit goes a long way as it relates to that. So mm-hmm. typically quarter, quarterly calls or meetings. Got it. And maybe a situation is different because you began the business almost like hand in hand with the nonprofit. Uh, but for for the most part, are there certain requirements that you see like nonprofits have before they consider taking on a, a brand partner? They definitely have to align with the values. And I think the more um, aligned the product or service is with the um, 
with the delivery of care or product from the foundation, the better. So, you know, I don't think that there can just be a, you know, for lack of a better word, random connection. Um, so, you know, in, in our circumstance, there was complete alignment, not only in a shared mission to, do want, to want to deliver better oral health and oral care to people in need, but also the product itself. You know, toothpaste is something that all of these patients need to go home with. They need to be educated as to how to use it. Um, and so there is complete alignment from both uh, an ethos standpoint as well as a product standpoint. So looking for that is is best. Mm-hmm. How, how do you balance things like priorities between the, the 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 I guess commercial aspect of your business versus the priorities from a a nonprofit? Have there been situations where I wouldn't say they conflict, but maybe their priorities are kind of um, conflicting? Where obviously a commercial business has different priorities than a nonprofit. You know, we haven't run into that issue, and I think it's really about making sure that what you commit to is something that you can fulfill. So in our circumstance, you know, 10% of profits and donating product on all of their missions is something that we're able to stand behind. Got it. Now, when it comes to making sure that the message and the, the mission that your your business has uh, alongside with a nonprofit, how do you make sure that is clear or visible to your customers when you do have a partner and you do have a, a more mission-focused business behind your, your brand? How do you make sure that that's something that your customers know about? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. Um, for us, we um, part of when we, you know, created our business and our website, we had a video um, which showed us and the founding story and how we give back and partner with Glow Good. As a result of that video, of course, we um, had copywriting and sections of our website really just dedicated to telling our story and showing them the impact. I think customers are hit over the head with brands that, you know, donate a dollar to this or buy one, give one. So to try to go a step further and really show the 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 work being done in action so that they can vividly understand and imagine what goes on, you know, for us, that was really important. Um, similarly, to the extent you can, um, letting your customers know how their purchase makes an impact directly from a quantitative standpoint, from a measurable standpoint, is something that we've continued to try to um, do and get better at. Yeah, I was going to ask next, like, do you find that customers care about this this mission? Like, are they making purchases because of your, your mission behind? I mean, obviously you sound like you started this business without – that that in mind, but obviously the more that you're able to grow your business, the more right. you're able to help the nonprofit. So is that, do you find that that is a message that will resonate with customers that will lead to more sales? You know, yes and no. Um, is it a reason customers buy? Yes, but it's a small reason. Um, in the end of the day, you need to have a product that really speaks to the consumer um, and prov- and showcases to them how it's going to improve their lives. Um, the element of the social give back in our story has really been a great, um, I guess, benefit in terms of retention and people wanting to support twice and people wanting to tell their friends about twice because of the work that we do, because we're not just a typical toothpaste company. Um, but in terms of that initial purchase, um, that is less of the reason that people make the, the leap. 
Got it. So, so do you, once once they become a customer for the first time, what is it about, what are you doing, I guess, tactically to retain that customer? And it sounds like you're alluding to making sure that they are aware of the mission, but what are some ways for you to use the mission to keep up the retention rates for, for, for a customer, to keep them coming back and buying more? And it sounds like also to spread your business, uh, your brand via word of mouth. Yeah. So the mission comes through in a couple of ways, um, through email, email marketing. You know, when we go on our missions, we do recaps of the missions, share before and after, share stories, um, share how, um, you know, their support of twice is able to make a difference. In addition, and of course, those emails go out to all of our purchasers. And we're also sharing on social media. So our Instagram profile, which is our main focus, um, gets a good amount of love during that time um, to really show the mission and the work that's getting done. And so those are really the two ways that consumers will see it. Um, outside of that, and, and almost a little separately, we have been building an ambassador program um, of dental professionals because we have found that we are very aligned with their their mission to provide better oral health to their patients um, but also from a formulation standpoint, they love what we're doing and they're able to also share with their patients and their friends and their communities, our story. And because they are such a service led group of people and community, they really attach themselves to our mission. So whereas you or, or another consumer or myself might say, you know, twice is a beautiful story, but I'm not going to buy them because of their story. Dental professionals are actually um, really clinging to that because they know how big of a problem oral health is and how far mission work can go. So that was that's pretty interesting development that we've had over the last six months. Mm, that is interesting. So definitely want to talk about the ambassador program in a bit, but I want to get back to the origin story. So once you were came back from this mission the first time, you're inspired to create business that gives back. What were the the next steps? Like how did you actually get this off the ground? Oh man. Wow, bringing me back. Not that it was that long ago, but um, yeah, in, in 2017, we said enough is enough. If I go on another one of these missions and don't start an oral care company, I'm just going to I'm just going to cry my way out of it. Um, these stories are so moving. And uh, we just looked, we dove headfirst into the market of oral care products. And we said, what can we make unique? What can we make different? And when we looked at toothpaste, even as sons of a dentist, we weren't loyal to any toothpaste. We didn't know what was in our toothpaste. We didn't know what products we needed. Really, when we looked at the category overall, we were hit with more like, okay, you've got this multi-billion dollar category that I'm not loyal to a brand. The purchase decision is confusing and I don't even really know what's inside of it. Yet I've been using it every day, hopefully twice a day, you know, since I can remember. So for us, um, we, we identified that category as one that we wanted to, to go into. Uh, from there, we did a lot of research. Um, manufacturers of toothpaste, ingredients that should be in toothpaste, ingredients that shouldn't be in toothpaste. And this was no you know quick uh, experience. This was an 18-month experience, uh, 11 months of which Cody and I slept on our parents' couches in, in their living room. So very much the uh, the entrepreneurial hustle that I'm sure many folks listening know about. Um, 
But we just absolutely immersed ourselves in everything toothpaste, ingredients, manufacturers, and um, did our research and reached out and spoke to folks and partnered with the right people, thankfully. And 40 versions of toothpaste later, you know, we arrived on our products. While we were while we were formulating our products, we we really identified part of our value proposition, which you know through our research we found out and and uh, a fact that 100 million Americans, one in three people, don't brush their teeth twice a day, and so that lent that helped us figure out our name twice, and helped steer the creation of our products, which was an awakening and a calming toothpaste, one to use in morning, one to use at night. Um, or really just to inspire you to actually brush twice a day. So it was a long process uh, filled with a lot of research and a lot of uh, getting comfortable being uncomfortable and patience. Mm. So there's lots of parts of your story there that I think there are lessons in. So I want to dive in a little bit. So when you came back from your mission, I, I hadn't considered this, but you did not actually have an oral care product in mind yet. And you're looking around and you sound like you said that a couple of the criteria that help you decide on toothpaste was first thing was that you look for a category that does not have brand loyalty. Why, why was this important for you to identify a category that does not have a, a brand loyalty as, a, as an opportunity for you to go into? Yeah. Well, we wanted to really try to create, or we are trying to create something special, something memorable, something iconic. Um, What better category than a product that you have to use every day, twice a day in your life? Um, For us, it just so happened that the oral care category, as we saw it through toothpaste, was one that was really big, but that um, didn't have loyalty. And we like that specifically because of the storytelling and brand personality and the brand first approach that we could take to creating the business, which we hoped would translate into loyalty. So obviously there are giants here already in the toothpaste space and they don't have brand loyalty, but they have lots of dollars and lots of pull. Were you at any point concerned, oh, maybe we can, well, come in, we might make some progress, make some traction, all of a sudden they'll come and just squash us. Was that ever a thought in your mind? (laughs) You're always scared of the billion dollar giant. Yeah. Uh, You know, I I think there's definitely enough food for everybody to eat. So we were not necessarily scared um, of the billion dollar giant. Um, it was more about us finding our path, finding our positioning and sticking to it and just continuing to, to push and grow little by little. Got it. Now, the second thing you mentioned here about why you settled on toothpaste was that the purchase decision is confusing. And I totally agree. I walk into an aisle and I don't even look at it. It's just so overwhelming that I just grab whatever is quickest thing just so I can stop trying to analyze what toothpaste to get. So certainly I can feel the fact that it's confusing. It makes a lot of sense. Now, as a brand, as a business out there, when you do recognize that you are going after a category or in a category where the purchase decision is confusing, how do you come in and take advantage of that fact? And what do you do to make it easier for your customers? Sure. When we were formulating and going to purchase product to test, frankly, the idea of a toothpaste for sensitivity and gum health and teeth whitening and cavity prevention, um, there were just there was an option for every need. And what we learned through manufacturing was that it's you're very capable of creating a product that is healthy and effective at doing all of those things. And so the idea of 
taking this approach to say, we've got the formula for you, right? This isn't um, a Band-Aid for one specific thing. This is like the elixir. This is the recipe for your oral health and overall health. Um, and so for us, it was really important to try to create a thoughtfully made formula that really combined both, combined both health and efficacy and delivered a multi-benefit product to our consumer. How did you identify what benefits you should uh, make sure to include in, in your formulation? Yeah, it was a mix of both market research uh, in terms of what's out there competitively from a benefit standpoint, as well as working with our chemist, um, frankly, and our dad as well, who's a dental advisor for our company, um, you know, leveraging their decades of expertise catering to patients' needs and oral health. Um, there's nobody better to talk to about that than the, the professional that's had to cure a lot of problems and 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 help try to create healthier healthier patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned too that that a lot of customers, a lot of customers in this space, when they're shopping, they also don't know what's inside of the toothpaste. How do you open that kind of black box in a product that could very quickly become scientific and techno bad when talking about ingredients that you cannot even pronounce? How do you make sure that you don't fall into that realm of being overly complicated to your customer? Right. Such a good point. Um, it's really, it's a matter of um, not going too deep, um, but deep enough to know that there's a level of thoughtfulness in creating the product to establish trust. Um, you know, one f- interesting fact is that a lot of the same products that have now been widely publicized to not be included in products, whether they're personal care products or um, products around the house or food and beverage are also in toothpaste. And so you're seeing a lot of the same familiar names um, that have been removed from your shampoos, but guess what? They should also be removed from your toothpaste. So it's a matter of of showcasing, you know, the degree to which we made the product clean and also being relatable um, by helping them understand that, hey, these ingredients that, you know, you no longer use in your shampoo is also now not in your toothpaste. Interesting. So you're you're noticing that the consumer is becoming more educated with these ingredients, and you are making sure to latch onto the ones that they are more familiar with, and then also talking about how it's not inside your product, or it is inside your product if it is something that they desire. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there are certainly customers that just want to see that you know you're made without. Um, and the ingredients are less important. But there are also a, a lot of consumers, especially in oral care, surprisingly, where they've had a problem. You know, there's an ingredient called sodium lauryl sulfate or SLS, which is a sulfate. And it um, can translate to irritation and canker sores in the mouth. And a lot of people have developed that those issues of canker sores or dry skin. And their dermatologist says, have you checked your toothpaste? And they look at him like he's got six heads. And so there are there are a lot of um, people that are looking for toothpaste with specific ingredients excluded. And so we want to make sure that we're letting that customer know. Hey, real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. Awesome. So I want to first talk about your next, rather, I want to talk about your packaging. So very beautiful design. How was that made? How did you guys come up with the packaging for your product? Great question, because we're going through a little bit of an evolution right now. Um, When we created the brand, 
and I'm sure everybody can relate to this, you know, when you create the brand versus a year and a half in, um, when we created the brand, the idea was to really create these two formulas that were used for morning and night to inspire better brushing habits. And so one tube was white and one tube was black to represent morning and night. And the white tube has some elements of blue to reflect the mint flavor and the evening flavor um, called twilight has some elements of lavender to reflect the lavender flavor in that. So um, we wanted the brand to be more modern, um, to still reflect the benefits of the product and to really look good on your countertop. I think a big complaint as it relates to toothpaste was that, you know, I hide it when my friends come over. Um, I don't want anybody to see my toothpaste. I want to pause here because I think it's a really important point. How did you get that information on people? How did you know that 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 that, that behavior? I mean, you're not obviously standing in, in your customer's bathroom while they are getting ready for their friends to come over. So how did you get that kind of feedback? So I think it's important for anyone out there that is trying to think more intelligently about how to design their packaging. Yeah. Um, well, it was really about what we were doing before launch. Of course, post-launch, we've had a good amount of reviews of people talking about that benefit. But pre-launch, it was a matter of vocalizing what we're doing. You know, hey, we're making a, we're making a new toothpaste brand because XYZ problem exists. And you would be surprised when you open up to people and you tell them about what you're building with the passion that you have, where the story goes. We had so many people coming back to us and telling us, yeah, I hope you make it look good because I always hide my toothpaste. Or it would be great if I had a good looking toothpaste tube because I always put it in the, put it away or put it in the drawer. Um, so it was really anecdotal feedback from consumers or potential consumers as to ways to upgrade and make the product better, which was ultimately our North Star. God, yes, especially for for like CPGs, like toothpaste, things that almost every consumer needs to have. You don't build your product in isolation because you'll probably get media feedback or media thoughts from people that you could certainly use uh, to collect data on, right? So I think it's important that you don't kind of hide the fact that you're working on a, a product like this to get that kind of feedback. So on top of the the packaging here, it also lists the the, the benefits. It says here, premium toothpaste includes teeth whitening, cavity prevention, sensitivity relief. How did you decide that those are the three leading benefits that you wanted to stamp on your on your on your your product? Yeah, um, it's funny because we literally are just undergoing some evolution in terms of our our packaging. Uh, as we're evolving the business. So I love it. Um, those three benefits are really the three biggest benefits that consumers look for as judged by the leaders in the category. The largest growth category for all of oral care has been teeth whitening, um, which has been told to us from retailers and is available in, in industry research. Um, beyond that, the number one ingredient that dentists recommend be in your toothpaste is fluoride, and fluoride is an ingredient for cavity prevention and enamel strength. And so there's your cavity prevention. And you've had a, you've got a billion dollar brand built on having sensitive sensitivity relief toothpastes with Sensodyne. And so for us, we wanted to make sure that we were able to tap into all three of those benefits with our formulation. 
I like it. So I think that's an important point too, which is to use the the research, the 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 billions of dollars, the millions of dollars that your industry leaders have already spent on identifying what the consumer cares about. And I think that the part that that you have to balance now is like where do you kind of carve your own lane? So at what point were you like, okay, let's go with lead with these benefits because that is what consumers care about, but then how do you add your own kind of perspective, your your own flavor, your own twist on it? Right. In the beginning, our own twist was this idea of morning and night toothpaste. You know, your beauty routine is different in your morning and night. Why should you use the same toothpaste? You feel really good. You feel a little sick. You feel a little low, you know, thinking about using different toothpaste products for different moods. So that was the original spin. Um, really, as we evolved the business, we saw more and more that the degree of care that we put into this formula is really what sets us apart. You know, we would have dental professionals telling us, why is this any better than Crest? Why is this any better than Colgate? You know, skeptical, of course. Um, and when we would tell them about what's inside and what's not inside and how it's made, they were like, wow, you know, they were blown away. And so for us, that really evolved to become um, how we could put our own spin on it. And so now we are really hanging our hat on having these clean, and effective formulas that marry both the best of natural with the best of science-led formulas to create something unique and different. Um, and so, you know, it's taken a while to get there into how we talk about ourselves. Um, but knowing that at the core, our philosophy was we want to create a formula that's the best of both worlds, you know, um, that, that was really what helped guide that. Mm. So you've mentioned a couple of times now about the redesign with the packaging that you're coming out with. So with what would you, with the details you can share, what yeah. what led to the to to the focus now on let's find let's let's improve let's evolve this packaging? Sure, I think in the beginning when we started our company, um, the product pipeline was really exciting. Um, we had met a lot of people in the industry that make a lot of different products. And we were already starting to, to work on prototypes of different products. But as we, as we continued the business, we saw that we really can create something special in toothpaste and focus on toothpaste. And one of the key ways that we can differentiate, which was really um, shown to us a lot through our customer feedback and reviews, was how much they loved the flavors of our toothpaste. And so when we think about growing twice. And as we're growing twice, um, one of the ways is going to be by expanding flavors. And so our existing packaging is really white and black. Um, and so the future of twice is going to be a lot more colorful as we think about, um, you know, twice in a year from now has six different flavors of toothpaste versus our current two. And so as a result, really to show the energy of the, those flavors, we're going to become more colorful. Mm. So let's get into a little bit of that in regards to formulation. So when you first got started, you mentioned that it took uh, 18 months and then you said 40 versions. So what was your, what, what is, what is that like when you are trying to formulate a, a product like this and what was happening during those 18 months? Oh man. Um, a lot of back and forth, you know, the, the toothpaste product that you apply onto your toothbrush and brush your teeth with has so many intricacies, um, the texture, the color, 
the degree to which it foams when you start brushing, the degree to which it foams while you're brushing, um, the aftertaste, the after effect, the different sweeteners that could be used. Um, every little ingredient plays a very big role in the overall experience of the toothpaste. And so we had in mind what we wanted it to be like and feel like. And so it was just a constant tinkering back and forth um, of trying to create that with the ingredients that we wanted to use. Mm. Was there any, any uh, I guess, testing with a, a panel or a group of, pe- group of like beta testers? Like how did you test <laughs> if you were on the right track? Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely had our friends and family. Um, a lot of people coming over to brush their teeth, which was pretty fun. Um, but that, that was it. It was anecdotal. It was believing uh, in ourselves and in our ability to create what we wanted to. Um, but yes, we absolutely leaned on friends and family to make sure they were coming by and, and get their perspectives. Hmm. Were there any things that you learned only at scale about the product or, you know, maybe that your testing, your own, your own personal testing, your only friends and family testing, they were all, uh, you know, giving you certain feedback, but then more feedback came once you went into the market. That's a great point. I mean, I think the little bits of feedback that you can get from people really can't be dismissed um, because if one person says it, good chance there's a thousand voices or more behind that. Um, you know, one of the big changes or evolutions of the product was how much it foams. Again, that SLS detergent, that bad ingredient is the reason why toothpaste foams so much. Unfortunately, it's in almost 99% of products out there. And so everybody expects their toothpaste to turn their mouth into a bubble bath when they brush their teeth. So, um, a lot of the feedback that would be constructive criticism was, love the flavors, but it doesn't foam as much as I'm used to. So I don't feel as clean. And that was a piece of feedback that a minority would say to us when they were reviewing it, you know, but then they would say, but I know you have healthier ingredients, so I'm okay with it. Um, But then of course, you know, when you introduce your product to the masses, education is such a hard business to get into in terms of what's healthy, what's not. So really trying to do the best of both worlds where we don't compromise on the health of the product, but still we deliver the experience that people are looking for. Got it. Now, when you first went to market, how did you know that the 40th version was the one that you wanted to go to market with? What about it? What kind of feedback were you getting where you felt that confident in going to market with it? Uh, I think if we went to 41, either I would have killed my brother or he would have <laughs> killed me. <laughs> Uh, you know, we we had narrowed down our ingredient list. Um, we had really, again, we had just a list of of product attributes that we wanted the product to deliver on, and we were zeroing in on the flavor. And it got to a point where we were really happy with it. Uh, specifically, our um, morning toothpaste, which is wintergreen and peppermint was flavored in a way where you really could taste both of those mints. And it wasn't just like this mix of hodgepodge of mint like you're used to. So we love that. Um, Our evening toothpaste, which is peppermint, vanilla, and lavender, had a nose of lavender and a taste like peppermint vanilla. And so those were really big um, efforts to try to get the taste, which of course can be so subjective, into a place that we were comfortable. Um, and also, you know, one thing on, on, on that was we were, we were 
uh, right around version 30 or 35, we thought we were done. And then we got certifications for our ingredients. And we found out that one ingredient wasn't gluten-free and one ingredient wasn't non-GMO. And so we had our manufacturer replace those ingredients with the proper versions of what we wanted it to be. Who would have thought that gluten-free tocopherol is a whole lot different than non-gluten-free tocopherol? Um, wow. I mean, you, you make one little tweak of a product and you have a completely different experience. So um, after 40, we, we were ready. Nice. So 18 months is a long time. And I, and I think this is important because the common thing that I see with, with all the successful entrepreneurs have been on the show is that it's a long timeline. And a lot, a big part of the game is just to not give up on yourself. And it's easy to say that. It's easy to say, don't, don't give up. But what actually helped you on a regular basis, on a daily basis, even when things were looking, maybe never, I'm not sure if they look bleak at any point, but what actually kept you going during those 18 months? Because that's a, a year passes by, and then another half year passes by before you're ever able to actually have, you know, forget going to market, forget growing a business before you actually have something that is a, a product that you can sell. Yeah, a lot of time goes by. Um, for us, it was a matter of wanting to introduce something great. Again, we were living our most inspired life after this mission work and seeing an opportunity to create a product that people could really love that's both healthy and effective and tastes good. And in our minds, that product did not exist and it still doesn't outside of twice. And so, you know, we spent all that time just focused on wanting to chase what we thought was great. Um, of course, there's an element of no matter how great you think it is, there's always opportunity to improve. And we, you know, where we are today is different than where we are when we launched. Um, but you know, I think we definitely benefited from our our parents and their experience of saying, you know, stick it out long enough, you know, survive long enough to thrive is what they always said. Um, you know, you're gonna go through the tough times. It's what is necessary to create a winning business. And um, for us, it was knowing that we hold the success of twice in the utmost priority above any personal measure. And so that helped us, you know, when times were tough, knowing why we're in this and knowing that if we hold on long enough and we're receptive to feedback and we're responsive to market changes, that we'll find success. Mm. So 18 months passes by, you have the final version of the product ready to go to market. How did you guys get your first customers? We did a couple things. We gifted the product to almost every person we know, <laughs> and we threw an event. Um, I think the uh, the event was, I don't, I don't know how many people have thrown launch parties or events like that, but they're, they're typically not profitable endeavors, but they were, were certainly a uh, a nice celebration of the launch and a good way to get the name out there. We um, had invited a lot of friends and friends of friends and some folks who are influential voices and they were able to help us introduce the product. Um, at the same time, we had some PR efforts in place to help introduce the product. Um, we were you know, tapping as many friends and, and professionals that we knew to help us really try to uh, explain our story. Um, you know, Lenny was also very helpful. It, it, it does, definitely does not hurt having a, a rock star and amazing yeah. human as, as your co-founder. And so he was helpful in getting our story out there. We really wanted to lead um, with our why. Um, 
and really explain to people who twice is by talking about why twice exists. And so that was the initial, you know, the first three to six months. Was it a big splash that, that kicked off like some, you know, snowball that was rolling down the hill? Was it just the start that still required a lot of like legwork? No, it absolutely required a lot of legwork. Um, you know, it's exhilarating when you can launch a business and when you have a lot of people talking about it, especially in your inner circle. But, oh, my goodness, you know, then then the real fun starts. Then, then you're really operating a business. Um, so, you know, for us as first time entrepreneurs, it was a lot about planning and how to sustain growth and how to, you know, really plan out our marketing schedules and what the business looks like now and how to make sure that we're responding to to changes and feedback. You know, where we are today as a business in terms of our outlook and how we're marketing and distributing the business is vastly different than what it was when we started. Right. So when you were when you were putting this legwork and even to today, you, I think you mentioned that one of the more successful strategies for you was around sampling. Is that is that the same thing as gifting when you mentioned it or like what is sampling? Yeah, the the gifting that we were doing would be this would be also sampling. We were gifting product to our friends and they were using the product and posting on social media channels like Facebook and Instagram about their experience with the product. Um, more traditional sampling, like going to uh, a fair or a farmer's market or um, doing a, a sampling program with another company wasn't exactly what we were doing. We were a little bit more, uh, I guess, scrappy with it, relying on our friends. Mm -hmm. Is that still a strategy that you focus on today for growth? We consistently do gifting programs, but no, it is not a big part of our marketing strategy um, as it was before. Mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely want to circle back again to the ambassador program in a second. I want to touch on one more thing, which is around how you really want to make sure that you did not want to get lost. And what you were mentioning here was that you wanted to create your business around one core customer. What does it mean to you to have one core customer? Mm. I think that's probably one of the biggest learnings for myself. My brother would would probably be nodding his head um, as he's the marketing brain of the business. Um, but, you know, for us, there's an interesting challenge, which we've created toothpaste, which is a product that everybody needs. But like every entrepreneur learns either the easy way or the hard way, um, you can never speak to everybody and you can never build a brand for everybody. Um, so for us, it's about really understanding who we're creating twice for, who's going to appreciate the thoughtfulness of the formula and the responsibility that we take in growing our brand. Um, so our one customer um, is who we speak to. It's who we communicate with. It's it's how we communicate to them on our various channels. It dictates the, the tone of voice that we use, the words that we use, the content that we put forth. Um, focusing in on really that core customer. Got it. Now, how precise do you get with identifying a core customer? Because I think this is a, a very uh, present challenge for, for newer entrepreneurs where they believe that the bigger the market, the better, the more people that they can serve, the better. But it, it sounds like what you learned was that the more you do that, the less you speak to anybody at all, directly at least. How does that, how do you, how do you identify the core, how precise do you get with identifying who is your customer? Yeah. 
Um, I think the best way that we've thought about it is breaking it up into at least a few different archetypes, um, but then getting really specific. You know, where do they live? What do they do? What do they enjoy doing? What don't they enjoy doing? Um, how do they talk? And really thinking about speaking to that type of consumer through what you do. Um, and knowing, though, that it's it's speaking to that consumer um, even as detailed as it can get um, now so that you can the brand will open itself up later. It's being specific in your communications now to really win with an audience who will hopefully allow your brand to grow um, into different markets as you expand and as as time goes on. Can you give an example of how you would, after identifying your core customer, how you would speak to them versus like what you might or might not say? You know, for us, our our core customer that we want to win with is the conscious consumer. It's someone who's aware of the fact that the products that they've been using for the last number of decades are probably not that healthy for them. They're effective, but they're out there looking for other options um, that provide similar benefits but with a healthy alternative. And so really a big trend in that is clean ingredients. Um, And so a lot of our content and our brand positioning is around clean ingredients um, and the reason behind the importance of that, the the combination of the connection of oral health and your overall health and continuously reinforcing these beliefs that we have as a business so that that customer who adheres to those um, starts to attach themselves to us. Got it. And I want to talk about the ambassador program. You mentioned that this is a new revelation for you guys where the ambassador program of dental professionals has really allowed you to to get your mission out there more. So tell us more about that. Like, How does your ambassador program work? Yeah, great question. So again, this was like putting ourselves out there. We went to a dental trade show in Dallas, Texas. We're based in New York. And um, we set up our little booth, myself and my mom, and we had the most amazing experience. We had all of these dental hygienists coming up to our booth saying, why do I keep hearing about your little toothpaste company? Why don't I know about you guys? And we would tell them about our mission and our founding story and how we give back. But then we would go into our formulation and our flavors and our approach and our philosophy. And it was so clear that what twice represents is also what these ambassadors or what what these hygienists and dental professionals represent. So we left the trade show like, holy cow, we got to get these people on our team. And so we spent a lot of time thinking about what an ambassador program could look like. You know, I think you look at a company with an ambassador program, and if you looked at 10 of them, you'd find 10 different ways to run an ambassador program. I think for us, we really wanted to build a passionate community, a community of people that are more interested in being together and being a voice for the movement of better oral health and oral hygiene um, versus profits. But at the same time, of course, um, we really wanted to create another income opportunity for, um, for all these people. And so uh, for twice, there's an opportunity to have dental hygiene ambassadors promoting our product, our brand, our mission on social media, in the office, to their patients, to their friends, to their family on a daily, weekly basis. So 
What we do is we supply them with content, photos, videos, infographics. Uh, we make content with them. Uh, we ask them what things they're looking for and we supply them with them so that they have, you know, basically ammunition to talk about twice. I was going to say, I could imagine a lot of industries, a lot of categories can take a similar approach and find that that a group of, of ambassadors, people that are close to your ideal customer that can represent your brand for you. For anyone out there that wants to embark on creating an ambassador program, how do you... How do you, I guess, get in touch with these people? How do you get in touch? How do you actually do outreach to get ambassadors into your program? You know, we live in a very interesting world. And um, for us, you know, an ambassador is somebody who's in touch um, from a social standpoint. And so we do out direct outreach on social channels, Instagram, Facebook. Um, again, the community that, we want to align ourselves with are very passionate. They're very vocal. In fact, a lot of their usernames and handles is their name and then their title, which is registered dental hygienist or RDH. So we are, you know, again, as we're being scrappy and as we don't have tons of budgets to work with, we are doing direct outreach to them through social channels and saying hi and sharing with them what our values are and our mission is and getting them to come on board and, and, and join the community. Yeah, so, so definitely don't overcomplicate it is what I'm getting out of this. It's like reach out to them directly. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the, the website. Uh, was the website designed in-house or how was that built? We worked with a company called Zero Studios that are based in Brooklyn, and they helped us design and develop it. Awesome. What, what, do you, what would you say is the most important page on, on your website? Having to pick one is like your favorite child, I guess. Um, I probably the homepage. Um, every there, it's so funny when you create a website. You know, two months later, you want to change all of it. <laughs> you get people that look at your website; they think it's the most beautiful thing in the world, or they or they point out a million and one problems. You create the website to be different. Then you learn you should create the website for conversion, and it's a constant. Uh, uh, fine line that you tow between the two. Um, for us, you know, we really wanted to try to share what's different about our product, what the story is behind the product. And it's so hard when you have a lot to talk about to nail that succinctly uh, and passionately through a website. And, you know, Cody and I, you know, we're still working on the website and we plan, you know, to do a V2 of it, you know, later this year. But um, it's it's um, it's a it's a love hate relationship. Yeah. Um, but yeah. What, what about what uh, what apps do you you rely on as a business, either on your website or off your website, to help power and run the business? Sure. Yeah, the app world is is incredible, and um, we learn about new ones every day. It's a little overwhelming at times. Um, for some good news in the morning, I typically check Yachtpo and see what our customers are saying and how they're reviewing us. Um, to have a hold on my finances and, and understand retention, uh, outside of Shopify itself, I use Glue. Um, as we've built a subscription business, which we launched uh, really like last March, um, we use Recharge to understand our upcoming um, demand. And a couple little fun tools, um, FOMO, which is a little plugin, um, 
that shows some social proof and, and previous purchasers on the website experience, and Enquire, which asks um, exit questions after you've purchased product. So we've been able to survey customers and ask them, you know, what company they're switching from or who that, how many people they're buying product for and ways to just learn more about our customer. I like I like that being able to survey them right at the point that they made a purchase decision because that kind of information is invaluable to get people off the fence a lot of times. So I think uh, it's a, it's a, it's something I think a lot of people should look into. So we talked a little bit off air about this um, about the COVID nineteen pandemic that we're all involved in. And can you talk a little bit about how it might have affected your business or ways that have you been able to or either required to or have chosen proactively to adapt to this new, uh, who knows how long environment we'll be in. Right. What a time to be alive right now. A um, lot, um, lot of speculation as to what the next six months, 12 months, 24 months and beyond looks like, how this will fundamentally, coronavirus will fundamentally change consumer behavior, how businesses operate, what industries are thriving, what are dying. Um, for us, we have definitely benefited from the fact that people need to brush their teeth and health and hygiene are, you know, two categories, you know, basically the same category that is emerging victorious, if, if you can even say that from this, these times. You know, people are really prioritizing their health and hygiene. Um, we um, so from a business standpoint, we've actually been we've been pretty stable. You know, this toothpaste is not a product that if you've got a month left of product that you're going to stock up on um, like toilet paper. Um, so we haven't seen any 100 percent plus increases in revenue, um, but um, it's stayed steady. It's a consumer staple and it's it's really showed that through this, um, you know, for us in terms of distribution, D to C will, of course, remain an exciting avenue for growth. Um, but knowing that a lot of consumers that were buying oral care products at retail no longer you know may want to do that if they're if they have the option to you know we're going to push getting our business onto Amazon sooner than later so that we'll have that ability to um really try to um increase our um our net as it relates to being online and and being present so looking at a lot of different online channels that we can get our product onto. Awesome. So smiletwice.com is a website. I'll leave you this last question, which is what has been the biggest lesson from the past year or the, yeah, basically the past year that you are applying moving forward? Yeah, I really think it's, it's a matter of listening to your customers and not being afraid to change. Um, when you start driving the car, it's a whole lot different, you know, every month after. So for us, you know, the biggest lesson is to be patient, to be a great listener and learner and be prepared to act quickly and evolve um, because success is waiting. You just got to find the right way to get there. And more often than not, it is not immediate. Mm, awesome. Great, great, great advice. Thank you so much for coming on, Julian. Again, smiletwice.com is a website. Thank you for so much for coming on and sharing your experience. Of course. Thanks for having me, Felix. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.